Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Freedom Empowered. Today, we're going to talk about Chinese AI robots, all the bad shit happening in California, and the intellectual dark web. Enjoy the episode. Alright guys, it's going to be a good one. Uh, as you heard in our intro, we have some very interesting topics today. Well, you know Nick has an obsession with AI, so we're going to talk a little bit more about the progression of AI and some of the achievements that they made recently. Then we'll go into the California apocalypse and kind of break that down for you. Uh, it's things that you should be aware of. Having a little bit of social awareness for your nation is good. I know a lot of people try to stay uh, reserved because of politics and or just a lot of things going on that they either don't agree with or don't like. And I'm with you there, too. But it's it's, it's important to have some awareness with what's going on just so you're not uh, you don't get snuffed out by someone who's more aware than you. And then finally. Do a little bit of free thinking on some of the freest thinkers around the intellectual dark web. If you don't know who they are, stick around to the end and we'll take a deep dive into that. But as always, uh, if you're new to the show, this is definitely a good episode for you. Um, what we do on the show is we'll talk a little bit about the news and try to get us uh, some social awareness on what's going on and apply uh, what's going on in the world to the principles of freedom empowered. And then we'll really try to hit it hard and teach you something at the end with our free thinking segment. But those of you that are reoccurring listeners, you already know that. And thanks for coming back. And hopefully we can continue to push you on your journey to personal freedom. Yeah. And, uh, anyways, well, before we start, I want to give a shout out to, uh, one of our listeners, uh, Daniel Vengochea, uh, he recently uh, messaged us and told us about a company that he's starting. It was a hobby that he wanted he wanted it to become more of a hobby, so he started he started selling uh, his pictures. So yeah, that's why he, that was his hobby: photograph or drone photos. They're they're very cool pictures. But yeah. Yeah, and that's like. That's kind of the, almost the epitome of freedom empowered right there. When you're talking from a business side, when you're talking freedom of action, freedom of finance, at least, is that right there, you know? People go, well, how do I go out there and start my own company or how do I do my own thing and get free of my employer? You know, it's that. It's, it's, not, that, it's not that you have to find something that interests you or uh, learn a skill that is making a lot of money out there it's easier than that it's finding a way to monetize the skills and the uh, interests you already have and that's what he's doing right there you know what i mean how many people are excellent photographers just absolutely amazing who have the thousand dollar lenses i know my uncle has them you know but how many of them go you know what what if i just found a way to make some money off this 
it's pretty incredible when you see people doing it. And usually if you start early, you start now, you know, if it is a hobby like that, five years down the road, maybe you're making some money. Maybe even but sooner. You're doing something. You, right. And if when you're doing something you love, who cares how little money you make? It's not that big of a deal. But yeah, congrats to Danny on taking that first step. And for all of you out there who want to be doing the same thing, what's going to be your first step? Who knows? Yeah. But yeah. Shoot, shoot us a message. All right, Nick. Shall we kick it off with our first topic? Yeah. All right. I guess I'll start off. So, well, no, actually, Nick, this is you. This is your favorite. Yeah. So, uh, our first topic is Chinese AI reporter in uh, China, obviously. And uh, I know I saw this video uh, this morning, and it's a video of a human-looking reporter, and the reporter turns out to be a robot, but he looks extremely like a human, and he he talks almost perfectly it sounds a little robotic talking but i don't know it's just crazy to see just because that's that's where technology is going technology has has slowly been increasing to this where it's replacing human jobs i don't even think it's about the jobs at this point because what you're talking about is something far more dangerous i mean we've all seen irobot the losing jobs is one thing. That's where they have the automatic cash registers and, you know, uh, cranes and stuff in warehouses. You're talking now a legitimate undercover robot here. It looks like a, you sent me the video. It looks like a man, talks like a man. And here's my question. The news isn't an, a conveyor belt style job. So, you know, jobs, whatever, jobs, mobs, if we're all dead, who cares about jobs? How does this guy, do they just tell him the topic of the news and then this robot creates, um, like, thinks on its own and, like, gives his own analysis of the news? Or did they just program exactly what it was going to say? That's my question. Well, uh, I assume that for the, since this is, like, such an early thing, it's probably, it was probably programmed what to say. But the other thing is, I don't know, it could very easily just go through the I feel like technology is at the point where it could search through like the news topics of the day, see what what's most liked or what's most talked about for the day and just talk about it based off like like CNN has its own TV, but it also has its own website. So it gets top rated article on its website is what it's going to talk about and knows roughly what to talk about based off all the information there. Right. I mean, and then the next the next thing that is. Uh, strange about it is the fact that it is so human-like. So at some point, will a robot have a better personality than some people in this world? Well, I feel like there is some people who are... I remember going to high school, there is someone who is very monotone. Oh, yeah. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, so I don't know... Uh, <laughs> It's possible more emotion showing than some people, but I I just can't imagine a robot 
and then and then what happens then it's you know you got to go into you ever seen that uh the netflix show altered carbon i have not it's like that where these robots are way advanced and people are like dating robots it was it was kind of i mean i guess i'll one example it was kind of uh grimy but they had this guy would hire a prostitute so he would he would be dating a hologram like his girlfriend was just this computer and it was just like a built up progression of like who he is and the relationship he's had with this robot and then he would hire a prostitute and then the hologram would project itself onto the prostitute and then it was like he was i guess hooking up with his girlfriend, the hologram. I don't know. I'm just saying they're already making, not to totally go off the rails here, but they're already making like, uh, in Japan, those crazy dudes, they're making like sex dolls that are like $5,000 and have like internal warming systems and, you know, feel like human skin. So then that, the, yeah, it, I, I, I think we understand the point. It's going, it's growing a lot faster than we expected. And obviously, uh, mostly men have taken advantage of it in a weird way. Right. It's just, and but I mean, even more, what happens if these robots learn manners and then girls end up just marrying robots? You know, this could be the end of a species here. Yeah, well, I've thought about that too. Like, people just start wanting to hang out with robots, be with robots all the time, where, like, actual human contact connections just kind of disappear. I guess taking it back to the center here with reality, the question, I guess, remains is how long till the technology progresses to the point where something like a robotic butler or a uh, uh, real-life Jarvis from Iron Man is like a real thing, you know? Is it 20 years? Is it 10 years? You know? You look at how long did it take the computer to develop, and before the computer, no one would have thought that was a thing, and look how they are now. So how long is it going to take this AI to develop before everyone has, you know, a robot in their house? Well, so if I'm not mistaken, Jarvis is just basically like a computer system that Tony Stark in the movie would talk to, right? And it would... Right. It was like his... It didn't have a body, so at his house, it would be in his house, controlling everything there. So... It would look stuff up for him. So would you say that's similar to, like, an Alexa? And I've seen recent commercials how you could ask your Alexa to turn on your oven for you. Dude, Alexas are scary, so I... Uh, I don't know what it was for, but someone gave me a free Alexa, like not the full one, but the little, the little one and, or Alexa's just the programming system, but I got like the little, uh, speaker or whatever that yeah, Alexa was Echo, in. I think. And I got the dot though. And it was like, I literally unplugged it and threw it away because it was like, I looked it up and it was like supposed to be learning and stuff. And it was, it was just, it was not okay. It was not okay at all. Like that it's there and then you got to go on the the tinfoil hat side of it and think well 
what happens if it's the government is just listening in on you and collecting your data? I mean, not that that's a bad thing because they're already doing it a lot, but where it's more than just, okay, what's your search history? But now it's, what are you saying in the confines of your own home that it could just listen to? You know, the fact that it's not just a speaker at that point, but a microphone where it's picking up what you're saying, you know, and it's voice activated, which means that you don't have to turn it on for it to be working. So it's technically working at all times. Well, yeah, so something I've always wondered, and I'm sure I could look it up on Google and all that, but like if you don't say Alexa, it still has to listen for the word Alexa, you know? Right. So it, I don't know, I guess it must be always record, not recording, but I don't know, I don't know if they do record what you say. Right, which I don't know. I, I know that Apple is pretty defensive of your privacy, but is is Amazon? I don't know if they are. I don't think they are. I think that uh, Jeff Bezos is pretty compliant. Well, it's interesting. We just need to find someone to read the privacy agreement. I mean, it's just insane because with the advancement of technology and especially an AI type of technology, and you think about what kind of issues can arise from it, because you look at you look at the advent of the internet and all the issues that arose from that, just because no one thought it was going to be as magnificent of a platform as it is now. So there was no regulation for it. There was no rules, you know, and then people started like committing crimes and shipping drugs and doing all sorts of other crazy stuff through the internet to where now it's, you know, an even more prevalent sphere or platform or even, you know, dimension arguably than uh, some of the stuff, just reality. So then the question begs, what happens when these AIs become a thing? Like, can people program them? Let's say, let's, let's go way out on a, on a limb here and say, what if, you buy a robot and it's default, you know, like not a kid, but like it's unprogrammed or whatever. And then it's programmed to learn based on whatever you want to teach it. So if you're a, you know, you're a butcher, it's going to, it's going to learn from you and you can program it to help you chop meat. Or if you're, you know, you're a writer, you program it to write for you. You know, what happens if you can do something like, cause I would imagine that that would be one of the next steps is, Hey, everyone, here's a, you know, a learnable learning multifunctional AI system and whatever it is that you need help with, you can program it to help you with that thing. So then, okay, well, you know, I'm a serial killer. So now I'm going to buy this robot and program it to help me commit serial killings. I don't know. You got to think about the, the possibilities because no one would have ever thought of the incredible, uh, illegal activity and, or just outright, weird shit that goes on on the internet well, but see, now we're now we're trying to pay catch up with it so well, you, you see what kind of freaks me out is like you, you've heard of the Roombas right the vacuum cleaner that just runs around your house or apartment yeah. so what, what I've heard I don't know if this is 100% true but like doesn't it like actually map out your home I'm sure there's ones that do that 100% like that's just creepy. It, it knows your layout of your home just because you right. let it roam free. It's sort of like the Alexa. Alexa, Alexa can hear you and know what you're talking about. Know 
almost everything about you. And then right. you have the Roomba that knows exactly how your house is laid out. It's just creepy right. stuff. It's just like when you have a dependency on something like that, it's interesting because, you know, I'm not sure. And I'm, I mean, I don't think that they did this, but did um, Bill Gates or the guy who made Dell or whatever, it, they could have planted a bug in like every computer. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't think they did, but They've cre- I know that there are some pieces of equipment where they create like a backdoor. Like if I'm not mistaken, Dell created a backdoor or something along the lines that allowed for access for, for the NSA. It was, it was something way techie, way software, but then it ended up getting in the wrong hands. I know, I mean, on a different note, I know for a fact that the NSA created a malware. This was in the news like a year ago. They created a uh, they a weaponized, uh, basically, computer virus. And then someone, like, went rogue or something and released it. And then it was, it ruined, like, you know, a million computers around the country or something like that. So, you know, what, what happens if that happens? Well, well, uh, another thing is, like, well, just speaking along the criminal lines, like, we know that there's people who can hack into your computer camera, and they could be watching you, and, like, your light not even turn on that your camera's on, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's why, like, people recommend put a post-it note just so that everyone you're not, when it's open, right. you're not using it. Don't you think that's possible with, you can hack into an Alexa, listen to people, or a Roomba? Figure out like yeah. the home layout. I, I I don't know. It's just it's very interesting, and you know we'll get into it later when we're talking about the intellectual dark web. But I think that the government, via technology, is way more capable than they pretend to be. I mean, if you look into it at all, they basically do collect our data and say that it's for the purpose of national security, like they only actually focus on foreigners and whatnot and terrorist suspects, which is probably true because they don't really care what what the average person is doing. But at the same time, what if they did? And especially in as polarized of a, a society we live in now, who knows? Who knows what could happen? Well, yeah, well, before we move on to the next topic we're going to talk about, what do you think is going to be the next technological invention? I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be something like, so what, what is, so when you're thinking about AI, it's called artificial intelligence for a reason. The difference is that it can do things on its own. So I think the next thing that happens is it's a very rudimentary um version of it but then it basically what you're asking is what's going to be mass produced because they have all sorts of technology but well yeah i mean something something like like an alexa the average person right that the average person has i think it's something like that i think it's something that is basically automizes things in your home whereas you have these big bulky machines that automize you know factories and whatnot but this will automize simple things like taking out the trash and, I mean, uh, 
cooking dinner maybe or whatnot. And it's just it's just adding that personality and that free thing. It's not going to be full-blown like artificial intelligence where it's learning and like adapting and like changing. It's not like the movies, but what it's going to start out doing is it'll adapt to your preferences. So it'll be like, yo, like maybe something will know what your interests are and then therefore uh, kind of modify its behavior based off of that is what I think it'll be. Oh yeah. Well, like I I remember reading an article saying how like a fridge like someone's working on a fridge or if it's already made, like when your fridge is low on food, it automatically reorders food for you. Right. It'll be something like that. It'll. It's first going to go to the intelligence portion is going to be how well the technology you have adapts to the owner's personality. And then I think it'll be hopefully another 15 years before it's something that actually learns, learns on its own. Because then that gets scary. I mean, especially with myself included, there's plenty of people in this world that aren't the smartest. And I could guarantee you that a robot can learn to be smarter than me very quickly and then I'm toast. Yeah, well, so I don't know if anyone out there listening is a tech freak. And I don't know if someone already has an idea for this. But if there's no idea like this, I recommend you work on it. You can steal my idea. So taking out the trash for you. So my idea is that you could program it, the route out of your home to the to like a dumpster outside or just taking the trash out to the front. You can it's automated. You could teach it the path and it parks itself out there for trash day. I know. If anyone out there loses That sounds thing, like your idea. It sounds like you're pretty lazy, Nick. You know, we're out here trying to make spaceships, and you just want to get your trash taken out easily. Are you saying that wouldn't be a hit? It might be a hit, but only for lazy people like you. People buy Roombas. They do. (laughs) You're right. People like me just don't even have a vacuum cleaner, so we don't even worry about that. Yeah, you're filthy. All right. But (laughs) next. What's the next topic? California Apocalypse. What is going on? I'll be honest, I didn't even realize that the new round of fires was happening because uh, as you guys may or may not know, I mean, I think we had my dad on and he's a firefighter, right? Mm -hmm. But my my brother is actually a forest firefighter and he's, he's done for the season. So it's like, if we have the worst forest fire of you know potentially the past five years why is he getting let off work should have kept him but yeah uh it's called the woolsey fire 75 houses destroyed that's in uh ventura area it's uh actually not far from the uh the mass shooting that just happened which we'll talk about in a minute but that's pretty insane to have 75 houses go up in flames, you know? It, it kind of begs the question of, you know, the power of nature. People, you see it with tsunamis a lot, but what happens if a fire gets a hold of a massive neighborhood? Like, who knows what could happen? Yeah, no, it's crazy. And I, I don't know, California just having a lot of shit go on right now. But 
Yeah, the forest fires, uh, they're sending non-wildland firefighters out to it, probably because right. of uh, technical wildland season is over, so a lot of the seasonal firefighters aren't working it. But... Yeah. Well, like, if you think about it, 75 homes, uh, I think I saw, like, 150,000 people evacuated. Yeah. That's, like, compared to the entire population of the United States, not very much, but population of just a single county. And like that's huge. Cities, that's, a, that's a hell of a lot of people. And just how close it is to a major city like... LA. I mean, it's technically part of LA County, but you know, it's not, this isn't the, this isn't the woods where there's a bunch of survivalist, you know, woodsmen out there. This is a, this is hitting civilization and it's crazy. And I think that that's something that a lot of people don't realize is that nature don't care that you're socialized. Nature don't care that you're, you know, a soft, comfortable living, uh, Millennial, it'll come get you. It'll get you anywhere. You don't have to live in Alaska to face the threat of nature. That's for sure. Yeah. And, uh, and apparently, hmm? I was just, I was going to segue into uh, the shooting, which is a way more serious note, but, you know, that happened. You guys probably heard about it. Um, mass shooting in Thousand Oaks the shooter was a marine they say he has PTSD Um, you know I'll start off right off the bat with some questioning of this and say did he have PTSD and the question I'm saying this is not, it's nothing to do with the military whatsoever. But my thing is, are they saying he has PTSD to try to ease people's minds by saying, oh, well, you know, he went to war. He got crazy at war, which it's very possible he did. But there's a lot of people that have PTSD that don't do mass shootings. Or is it, is there something more? Is there's the fact that we've had so many mass shootings in, uh, you know, the last however many years, it seems like it's gone up. And then the question begs, so what's happening with people? Like, why Why is this stuff happening? Is it just the fact that this guy had PTSD or is there something bigger? Is, is there something, like, you know, scarier about the idea that someone can go into a ritzy town that he's from and um, choose to kill a bunch of people and then himself, you know? I think... One of the scarier parts of it is in the past, crazy people would just kill themselves, you know, and we're going to, it's a, it's a hard truth, but we got to talk about it. Like people used to be depressed, be, uh, lose their mind. They might off themselves. Horrible thing. You know, everyone can be helped, but nowadays it seems like the default is you know, I'm going to kill myself, but I'm also going to take out a bunch of people with me. And I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's uh, something to do with uh, a feeling that they're going to be remembered because of it. And 
that might be a possibility. I think part of it that we don't like to talk about is the fact that it's all over the news now. People go, well, you know what? I'll do this and I'll uh, kill a bunch of people and then I'll be all over the news. And it's just kind of scary that there's a potential that people are that crazy and that uh, depressed and alone that they feel like that the only way to get attention is to kill people. I don't know if that's even the, the right train of thought. What do you think, Nick? Well, so like... A lot of times people want to talk about gun control and all that, but I I feel like that's you're trying to cure a symptom, not necessarily the actual disease. And I I feel like the main problem with it, I think it's a societal thing in general. I think I think people the way people look at other people's lives is differently. The way people treat each other is probably differently than or say even like 20 years ago. But like, I don't. This has been like a recent thing, actually. Like, I was doing research before the show, and up until twenty fourteen, the stats of just murders in general was going down. And in twenty fifteen, we saw a spike of like one thousand extra. And now it spiked even more in twenty sixteen, and twenty seventeen's not even done. I'm sure that's more than. 2016 was already right you know these people i think they're crazy i think they're loners and there's an inherent lack of socialization if you were to look at all these people you know they might have different disorders different variant of variants of crazy but at the end of the day what connects them the fact they have no friends they're depressed, they feel alone. And it's just very interesting to see it like that because uh, there's so many people in this country, you know, how does everyone not have a friend? And you got to think that, you know, even if someone was having these thoughts, if they had one friend, like one real friend, they would be stopped. You think about it, I mean, you have to have no friends. Well, in order to commit a mass shooting, I think. Well, so, so like, just thinking about mass shootings on the top of my head, like, one specifically that don't have, like, a specific motive, like, you think Parkland shooting, the one in Florida, that guy was just, he was, he was just a crazy kid who, who was a loner as well, uh, just this past shooting in Thousand Oaks. He was a guy who came back from the army. Obviously, all these people have something in common. They're... Hey, he's a Marine. Yeah. Not the army. Yeah. <laughs> all no. right. Doesn't uh, matter. He, he, he was... What's said is that he was like a loner. And then you can even go back all the way to Columbine. The two dudes. They were... It was just them too. They were, they were like weird about it, or they were weird people, or I don't want to call them weird, but they're crazy. And but they all have something in common. They're all somewhat lonely, could possibly be depressed. They didn't socialize a lot, like you were saying. Right. And I feel like that's possibly something that we should look into. And what if you want to talk a little bit about? 
the psychology of it, you know, what you have is we are humans are tribal by nature. So that's why people say they like small towns so much or they like people that are from small towns love it there is because, you know, there might be only a couple thousand people, but they know everyone. It's a tribe. They're like a big family. And then you have these big cities where there's a, you know, millions of people like New York City and you're crammed in buses filled with people that you probably see every day too because you're commuting with them but you never even acknowledge each other's existence or even uh you know socialize whatsoever it's because the populations have become so big that now that tribal uh connection is kind of uh just dissolved into now you know there's infinitely more people around you but you know infinitely less and it's a it's a scary thing i mean if you're a little bit awkward in high school you know maybe you don't have any friends i know people like that and then you either get a job or you don't go to college or whatever and you're living on your own and then before you know it you're 29 years old working a shitty job that you don't like and you don't have time or money to change and you're just alone and you just, you know, go crazy. It's insane that that can happen in such a connected world that we live in, but it happens more than you think. And I think it's on the rise of these people that just, you know, because of the way our society works, where I think that the family mentality is decreased you know you have jobs that are more demanding now that require people to work longer hours move states for jobs and all this stuff it just it's really degrading to the human nature of socialization and tribalism and you know family and i think that that's what makes these uh people feel so alone yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I think I think that plays somewhat into what I said. Like it's a societal thing where it's it's somewhat changed. Yeah, and that's why when you look at it from a freedom and power standpoint, when we say set yourself up for success, it doesn't mean just work. It doesn't mean just seclude yourself into your basement and work your ass off. It means... Set yourself up to be successful as a person. You have to work on yourself. You know, you have to build a network of friends and family that are there to support you and have your back and, you know, help you. It's 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 not all just about straight work. And that's, you know, a lot of the things we talk about on this show is it's not just work ethic. Work ethic is huge. You know, intelligence is huge. But what it is, what makes someone successful, what really sets you free is connecting all the different pieces to success it's being intelligent working hard being innovative having friends having uh co-workers that bring different skills to the table it's all of this it's all of it put together it's how good are you at communicating how how uh self uh conscious are you that's not the right word but you know what i mean how well do you know yourself what do you need to work on? What do you need to change? And be proactive about it, you know? With, if you lack 
the social side of things. Be proactive. Go out there, get a hobby. You know, are you just going to sit on the couch and watch TV all day, all weekend? Or are you going to go try something new, get a hobby, make new friends? It's that's what that's what uh, one of the biggest principles of freedom is. It's being proactive. That's why we talk about taking action. It's what do you can you go out there and make something happen? If you have no friends, you move to a new city, you have no friends. Can you go make a friend? Some people can't. Some people, the social aspect of life is the hardest thing for them. And for these people that commit acts of violence like this, it's impossible for them. You know? I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. Uh, it's just me and Nick here talking about it. We're not the smartest people. There's way smarter people than us trying to figure it out. But, you know, politics aside, you can pick a side when it comes to gun control and it may work. And I would argue that it could work both ways, you know, because in a place like Texas where everyone wields weapons, it works there, too. But then in a, you have to think about the nature of the people in Texas. Everyone's got a gun. They love guns. So they use more guns to protect themselves. But you talk about a place like California where you have these um, just and huge populations of super sheltered like people that they see a gun and they start their hands start to sweat. Legalizing what guns there might not work because they're so scared of guns that they wouldn't even buy them if they needed to to protect themselves. You know what I mean? So well, yeah, I, you know, I, I would say I would say like in Texas, it's a cultural thing. And in Los Angeles, it's not, it's not necessarily cultural. It's, it's just the way right. It is. So then, so that's what I and there's nothing. So that's what I'm saying. My want. point is, my point is the conversation on gun control is beyond me. That's a conversation for someone else. But you, when you talk about the individual and you talk about bettering yourself and you know helping those around you, that's something that I know about. That's something that I can talk on. That's something that Nick knows is we can talk about, okay, regardless of the gun thing, these people are lacking the social aspect of their lives. They're lacking a drive. They're lacking a mission. They're lacking um, anything that prevents them from doing this. If they had anything in their life to live for, to be motivated for, to you know, love and cherish, they probably wouldn't throw it all away to kill a bunch of people and then themselves. That I can tell you. But, you know, it's a sad thing. It's a sad thing and it's a scary thing because, you know, who knows how far this epidemic will go. Who knows? But, without further ado, I think we beat that one up. Yep. Off to the free think segment. But oh, yeah. The intellectual dark We're, web. Oh, yeah. This is one of the... I would say the intellectual dark web is almost the epitome of free thinking right here. It's, it's interesting. And this is going to get... It's, it might get a little bit political. Or I would almost say that... It's not even about politics. But the, 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 the interesting part is that everyone in it is... On different sides of the spectrum so yeah basically the, if you don't know what it is the intellectual dark web is a term coined by Eric Weinstein 
who is part of the group. And the group is a bunch of individuals from all over the spectrum of ideas who hold different views. And what they do is they communicate via platforms such as YouTube, podcasts, etc. So what makes them so unique is just that. It's that even though they're from different sides of the spectrum, where in a lot of society they would be considered enemies, they choose to engage in thought-provoking conversation. You know, they understand that they're all intelligent. That's the first thing. They're all very intelligent geniuses. So, and they're all nice people and they've met and they've conversed. So they know there's all geniuses and they know, they know they're nice people. So therefore, just because they disagree on specific topics, they don't go to a, well, you're stupid, you're dumb, you're just an asshole, you're, you know what I mean? And they don't share hate because they, they've already set the stage for we're friends, we're nice people, we're intelligent. And then they're like, okay, so then what's the next thing? Why do we disagree? And then that's the, you know, where this group goes from there is they have huge, long conversations and build ideas on why do we disagree? Can we come closer together? Can we convert each other? And I think it's kind of amazing. Yeah, well, like, I, I love watching their conversations. Just, and it's not even, they have a lot of conversations about politics stuff, but like, like, no, uh, it's not all politics. One of the people of the group is religious, another one is an atheist, and they have, they've had multiple conversations of just about religion. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter where you fall on that. It's just, it's a good conversation to hear. It's, it's good to know both sides. It's good to get perspective on the way other people think and not think that they're the enemy. Right. And I think we need to do that. Too. I think we need to do it too. Like as people, we need to, as the average citizen, there's a ton of us that are smart in this country, you know, and we keep dividing ourselves and maybe putting not ourselves Mason, into. But there is a ton of smart. Maybe people. not me. Maybe not me. But I'm working on it. It's a life's a learn whole a giant classroom that I'm here to learn in. But, uh, yeah, and we just put ourselves into these categories, and then we will go against our better intelligent because of tribalism. To so defend a side that we might disagree with, you know, because if you're if if we talk politically, if you're 100 percent Democrat or you're 100 percent Republican, are you an individual to say that? I don't think you are. Your 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 identity is aligned with, you know, a pamphlet of rules. You don't crisscross at all. I don't know. These guys do. So it's just it's a very interesting thing. And I had um. Someone I was, someone I uh, once knew, very smart guy. He said this to me, and it really st stuck with me now because it's been like ten years since he told me this, and it, you know, it shows you how big of an impact it has. But he says, for political candidates, president, Congress, whatever you have, what have you, when they have a political debate, the first thing they should do is say, "All right, each of you, tell me three things." that you love about the other candidate because you know at that point if they're running for office and they're supposed to be that intelligent that you know successful that they're about to run this country there's got to be three things about them 
that the other person admires. Well, there's got to be. Well, they actually did that at the 2016 election. I think it was the final debate. They actually had both candidates say one nice thing about each other at the end. What did they? What did they? Say? I, I think I think Hillary said something how uh, it was mainly a compliment to the kids, like you or you have good kids, you raised good kids or whatever. And then Trump said that she was a fighter. Yeah. Hey, that's true. But you know what I mean? Like, how good does that make you feel? That made me feel good there. Even both the how both both of them are, you know, way on the fringes. And still, that made me feel good just to just to think that, you know, Hillary Clinton, is she a grandma? Do they, is she a grandma? Yeah. You know, she might be Hillary Clinton, but she's also a grandma. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's cool. She could be a fantastic grandma and mother. And then you have Trump, who, for all of his things he's got going on, being a New Yorker and all the crazy things that come with his life, you know, he raised some great kids. And that, how do you, you can't, you can't argue with that. Most people who are rich have shitty kids and all of his kids are hard workers they're all they're all productive human beings right they are so you know he did something right he did something right you know if she we what we need to do for the for pr is we need to bring the news in for these families on like christmas and just like do a day in the life documentary of Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump on Christmas or at family Thanksgiving. You know what I mean? Like we just have such a polarized and just negative perception of people. And there's always something positive about everyone. And that's the first step right there. That's the first step with any idea. Because if you look at someone else and say that, they're you that they're wrong with everything that they're saying and thinking you're basically calling them crazy and the first step to changing someone's opinion is you have to understand the reason that they think the way they do you know there's a reason why extreme liberals think the way they do and there's a reason why extreme conservatives think the way they do you know what i mean and a lot of it has to do with where you grow up and the environment you grow up in but if they're, they're not, everyone's not crazy. I mean, there are crazy people out there. They are. But it would be illogical to think that huge masses of the population are just ignorant human beings. Well, like, I feel like when it comes to politics, and this is like why we like the intellectual dark web so much, because the way people should be looking at it is that maybe neither one is evil they just have different ideas on how to fix a problem right and maybe one is right maybe one's not right maybe we should try out both but at the end of the day we got to get to the understanding that these aren't evil people 99 percent of the time they're they're good people who have who just disagree on ideas right I mean, who's your favorite 
member of the intellectual dark web? I would have to say probably Dave Rubin. Oh. Oh, yeah? Yeah, well... So you guys don't know, two, I'll just tell them quick, two of the people in the intellectual dark web, and this is kind of the epitome of what we just talked about, is Dave Rubin, Ben Shapiro. You guys probably know who Ben Shapiro is. He's the, you know, a huge proponent of conservative ideology. And then Dave Rubin, he's a gay man, liberal, libertarian, but really liberal. And they're like best buddies. And they completely differ. And I'm talking religiously and everything, you know. Inherently, Dave Rubin's life choices are not in line with Ben Shapiro's religious. religious views. Yeah. But they talk about it. They they talk about it. What were you what were you saying about them? Where um something uh Well like so them. they had a conversation and the baking of the cake came up and all that. And how they should have had a conversation for about five to ten minutes and how Ben Shapiro wouldn't bake him a cake for a gay wedding, but he would bake him a cake for just a birthday party. And, and right. it was just, they disagreed on whether or not he should bake him a cake and, or they agree on whether or not someone should be forced to bake a cake, but they disagreed on like friends, if it's different. And I don't know, they can, they were able to just get past that and be like, all right, we disagree. They both put out their point of views and it was a good conversation. Right. I don't know. It's just interesting that there was no hate there. I don't, I don't know. Or, should there be? I don't well, think another example be. would be Ben Shapiro and Sam Harris. They, they disagree about almost everything. Ben Shapiro's religious. Sam Harris is an atheist. He's famously an atheist. And they've had a couple conversations where they, they talk about religion and everything. And they're civil about it and they share their ideas and let people listening decide. I think that that's a good thing. Why is uh, Dave Rubin your favorite? Well, so I, I, I listened to him before I listened to Joe Rogan, but they basically almost do the same thing. They have people on their show and they have conversations about politics. And it's entertaining. So that that's that's why Joe Rogan is part of the group, because Joe is definitely not on the intellectual level that these guys are. He admits it, and you can see it in the show. His show is mainly entertainment. It's he talks about all sorts of things, and I think that's why he's such a critical and integral member of the team. Is that you know he has a vastly entertaining show where he talks about just incredibly interesting things. But then he gets to come in there and talk about the intellectual dark web and push these ideas of free thinking that might, you know, usher people to go listen to these other members. And that's what I really like about it is I get to go listen to Joe Rogan and listen about some MMA and some comedy and some other interesting things that he's, you know, talks about. But then get a little taste of the free thinking and then um, then we go on from there. And actually, 
my favorite person is Jordan Peterson. And who he is, he's a Canadian clinical psychologist. But what interests me about him is he looks at uh, society and human interactions and talks about the mind and how it all interacts. And that's what I like about him is it's scientific. You know, his, 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 his conversations inherently become political because there's just so much, so like so much social uh, implications with modern day politics. But he goes back to a science-based argument and it's really hard to argue with him when he's talking about psychology and just 20 years of clinical psychology and studies that he's done. And he brings a really nuanced approach to the whole thing and the way he breaks down society and the way we think. So that's what, what it is. He's almost not picking a side, but he's breaking down why people think the way they do. You know, he breaks down why do liberals think the way they do? Why do conservatives think the way they do? And then you start to get into each other's head. It's no longer just, okay, this person has this viewpoint. So they're being defined as that. He goes beyond that. He goes, this is their viewpoint, but why do they think it? And this is the underlying reasons for this and that and that. And then you can start to, you start to see, once you start to have some self-awareness and see like, oh, I'm just a product of my environment. You know, you stop thinking that people are the enemy and people are retarded and start to realize that, you know, we're all just different people. And then, and then what do we do from here? What do, how do we change each other? And one of the big things that Peterson does is he talks about how do we change ourselves? You know, a huge portion of his conversation is helping people out of depression, out of these issues, how to better their lives. And he does it from a psychological standpoint. And that's what a, why a lot of people love listening to him. So he, he goes, okay, these are the issues you are experiencing. This is why. How do we fix it? Yeah, uh, I, I like Jordan Peterson. I, I think, I think the the cool th or not cool thing, just something to point out about this group is, if you if you look at all of them politically, Joe Rogan left-leaning Jordan Peterson is left-leaning even though people think he's right-leaning uh the Weinstein brothers both left-leaning Dave Rubin left-leaning closer towards the middle and then Ben Shapiro's the only right-leaning one but they they all get treated like if they were all right-leaning just or like they were all extremists for sharing their ideas I don't know. Right. I just think it's crazy. I don't even think it's that. I don't even think that. I think that be I think that you just had some environmental runoff right there because you just said that you think that people think they're all right leaning and I think that that's false. I think that because the majority of modern media is left leaning and just because they disagree with these guys that you would assume that they are right leaning but they're not. It's the fact is is that media as a whole, Fox News included, left and right, they're, they have a different goal. They're not there to teach you. They're not there to uh, have an in-depth conversation about these things and try to, uh, you know, increase your knowledge. What they're trying to do is 
make money. They're trying to hit you with a five-minute cycle of news that is has no analysis whatsoever and just to rile the people up and so you can pick a side and say, you know, I'm either going to listen to Fox News or I'm going to listen to CNN and all the other ones, you know? And that's that's what their goal is. Their goal isn't to bring you together. It's to bring you apart, pick a side, and make money off you. And not everything is in black and white. I mean, when you look at Tucker Carlson, for instance, he's, everyone knows him, he's a Fox guy. He started out working for, I believe it was CNBC, a liberal news station, you know? These news agencies aren't trying to teach you anything. They're just trying to make money. They'll hire who the people, they'll change their viewpoints based on whatever the, you know, financial part of their business tells them is going to make them the most money. They pick their stories off monetary value, not off uh, knowledge base. And that's what makes this dark web so important and and. What made the dark web is these platforms, social media, YouTube podcasts, where there's no barriers to entry, where, you know, you don't have to be sifted through the filter of uh, modern day media. You can go out there and say whatever you want and have like uh, in-depth conversation, you know? Yeah. And I would say that just to close it out, I say that the intellectual dark web is going to have a way bigger impact on our world than we think it is. People don't realize how, how, when was YouTube a thing? 10 years ago, maybe, maybe a little more than that, but still, you know, when we were kids there, we weren't watching YouTube when, uh, and then anyone after us and I consider myself young. So None of these people uh, before us had YouTube, and now it's everywhere. Everyone has it. And you'd be surprised how many people are listening to stuff like the uh, intellectual dark web. How many people I know my little brother is. I know my little brother, he's a super politics nut. He's just absorbing all of this information that is way different from the news that we were all raised on, you know? And I, I, I would be very interested to see what this younger generation becomes because everyone says that it's going to be just, you know, um, a hyper liberal change. And I think that they may be right with our generation, our generation who are millennials, but didn't have the knowledge from uh, these open form platforms. But the people younger than us, I think it's going to be different. I think I really think it is. Well, yeah, well, like... Like, if you just look at just their fan base right now, like, Dave Rubin has 700,000 subscribers on YouTube. Right. Joe Rogan. That's, like, a fifth of the U.S. population amount of people. Sure, it's international as well. But then you have Joe Rogan, who gets millions. He had, like, 12 million in one month. Right. And then... You know? And then Jordan Peterson, I don't think he has his own thing, but... He has a huge fan base as well. Ben Shapiro, Sam Harris, the Weinsteins. If you right. if you add it all together, that's it's close to at least a third of the country, maybe a little more. 
Right. And then you and then you compound that and then you compound that openness and availability of just really solid information with the almost universal distaste for modern day politics, you know, it's, it's going to compound. It's going to, it's going to be, it's going to be once all those people that are just sick of modern day politics, take a step back, turn around to run. And then instead of having nowhere to go and then just being like our, you know, our parent generation where they're like, I I hate politics. I'm just going to stay out of it. Screw that. And then they're apolitical. Instead of that, they're going to turn around to run and go, oh, I have somewhere to go. I have this other platform that I can go and get involved in where it's actually something that benefits me. You know, that's going to be the difference here. It's instead of just the entire country just falling away from politics, it's going to be them just changing their politics. And that's what I look forward to is seeing how it evolves, how ideas evolve and how, you know, how we can all share and have a melting pot of ideas and just to see where we end up. It's going to be crazy. Yeah, it's going to be crazy. I'm excited for the future, for the robots, for the ideas, for it all. For the ideas? Mainly the oh, robots. As long as the forest fires don't burn down the world first, we'll be good. You know, well, anyways, guys, longer episode. Uh, I enjoyed it, though, and I have no issues with doing as long of episodes as we need to talk and share our ideas. And if you want to join me and Nick's melting pot, go ahead and get involved. You can uh, hit up our private Facebook group. You can hit us with a DM. You can, if you want to tell us about your side project like Danny did with his uh, photo business, go ahead and let us know. We'll talk about it on our show. I guarantee you. You send us, you send us uh, a little synopsis of what you're doing, then we'll talk about it because I love to see it. I love to hear it, and I love to learn from it. So... Anyways, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.